I will go up to the six-fingered man and say, Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. Greg's looking at Nancy, what you got? I'm Tristan. <laughs> I'm Greg. <laughs> I didn't know you were pressing play yet. I hadn't done my new unique New Yorks. I hadn't done my bumblebee, bumblebee warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather. Yes. You just sound the shaking, you vibrating a little yellow bit. Yellow lorry, roll, other lorries. Anyway, yeah, and you're Greg. I'm Greg. <laughs> uh, we're doing the Princess Bride. We are not the Prince's Bride. The Princess Bride, as I thought this to be named for many a year. She's her own woman. That's right. She's not a possession. She of doesn't belong to any a prince. prince. I'd say that's pretty progressive. Yeah, I used to live near Prince's Street, and I was always confused if it was Princess Street or Prince's Street. I used to live near Princess Street. I lived on Argyle Avenue. No, a different one. Ah. Well, in Ride. Hunters Hill. There's oh. a Princess Street. Brony Park Shops. Ah, this is a top ride. Anyway. Yeah. 1987. Big year. A new year for us, which it always seems to happen when I've got a small amount of time to prepare and then I have to go look into a whole new fucking year. Well, let's, well, well, well. He does say well a lot. Rapping Reagan. Why don't we just sum up 1987 as Expo 88 Eve? Expo 88, I mean, that is how it's popularly known. Mm. Although, yeah. Greg, mm. uh, yeah. yes. we probably first talked about Expo 88 in early episodes and we probably have quite a few new listeners since then. What is oh, Expo 88 and what does it yeah. mean to you? What are you talking about? I think that's a really nice idea to to bring it back up to old listeners and introduce uh, new <laughs> listeners. So thank you. Thank you on behalf of um, all Expo 88 fans and... What have I done? <laughs> and everyone, for that matter. Um, Every look, time he talks about Expo 88, it sounds like it's... He was, he's saying one thing and it sounds like it's ending and it's the end of the topic and then... And then it just <laughs> yeah, look, it's, that's the thing. It, it's, it's beyond words. It's beyond <laughs> comments. It's beyond vibes. But what is it? It was uh, a group of people coming together globally, locally, to celebrate what it is to be a human. Like Burning Man. It was like Burning Man for families. (laughs) They had um, high divers? And they had high divers. (laughs) That's all I remember from it. This is like a World's Fair type situation, right? It's a World's Fair. Yeah, we had it in Australia in 1988, in Brisbane. Brisbane. It was syndicated for 214 countries globally. (laughs) Um, I had never heard of this, by the way. It came up on the show and I was like, what are you talking about? But apparently it's a big thing. So 87 was the year before. Infrastructure was, you know, (laughs) and logistics were well underway at this point. (laughs) Finalised, I would say. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Let's not spend the show talking. This, yes. isn't, this isn't the Expo 88 podcast. Is you it know? not? Are you no. sure? <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. That's for another boring time. Patent um, pending. Patent pending. <laughs> what do you that know It wouldn't be a bad miniseries, actually. We'll do a spin-off. Yeah. 87. 87. Some big movies. 
What well, was happening in culture? You got anything on the cultural front? Prozac was first sold to the public. Oh, wow. So people were, you know, mellowing mm. a little. Um, mm-hmm. It was also the first year that Red Bull ah. was released to market. So uppers and downers. Uppers and downers, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Or, or not. <laughs> um it was also the year that the Garbage Pal Kids were made into a live-action movie. Oh, that's a weird one. I don't remember seeing that. I, I don't remember it either, but I remember the playing cards now. Yeah. So do you remember the, the Garbage Pal Kids of playing course. cards? Yeah, okay, 100%. cool. Because I had forgotten it existed, but on the um, uh, Friend of the Show show, uh, How Did This Get Made, they did the Garbage Pal Kids movie. Oh, really? And I listened to that. That's the closest I've got to watching it. But, yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I love that. I was obsessed with the, with the kids. Obviously, oh, the, the kids. Obviously. I was obsessed with the cards. <laughs> I've taken that one out of context. Adam Baum, Grassley, Ashley. And there's a crocodile. Handy, Randy, others. <laughs> and this was a riff on the old Cabbage Patch kids, I suppose, which I never really understood either. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They were really quite grotesque, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they really were. I loved them. <laughs> I loved them. Yeah, getting trading cards were a big deal. Sometimes you get a stick of gum in there. Yeah, so they were they were doing their thing. There's some good movies from this year with our attention. Oh yeah, Spaceballs, Spaceballs, Overboard. We could do Overboard. Wall Street. Oh, nice. That's some serious shit. The Lost Boys. Oh, uh, yeah, I watch that every so often. That's scared the shit out of me as a kid. I think even since we started this. The worms this, noodles? Yeah, yeah. Oh, in the little takeaway. That really bugged me. Hey. <laughs> that was an accidental word. Was play. it accidental? Yeah, that was actually accidental. Well, maybe in the subconscious somewhere. Um, dirty dancing. That really bugged me. Right, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't um, work. Predator. Predator. Was Predator that year? Shit. Yeah. Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Masters of the Universe. Oh. Friend of the show, he man. Yeah. Did we say? Poli- did you say Police Academy Four? No. Citizens on Patrol. No. Citizens on Patrol. I think they're all citizens on that's, Patrol. Okay, because that's what I thought. Yeah. Right? Isn't that the premise of the movie? Am I wrong? Uh, not in not in this room. Because I thought, and maybe I've only seen them before. Because I thought Citizens on Patrol is the premise of um, Pro- the movie of the movie. But then when when I read that. Subtitle of Police Academy for Citizen Sun Patrol. The song went in my head and I was like, oh, yeah. That's one. Is that just one of them? What's the premise of the other ones? Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell you. I'll go through the top 10 real quick. Would you believe what number one was in 1987? I would believe it was Three Men and a Baby. Three Men. Are- How weird is that? You would not see that kind of movie as number one. In the Marvel era, right? Like, no, it'd be three superheroes and a baby superhero. <laughs> yeah, kind of would be. Oh, it'd be an X Men. Yeah, because three X Men and a baby. You know, you could argue that Professor Charles Xavier and Wolverine <laughs> and Frasier were all Frasier Beast. Yeah, Frasier Beast were all parents to one Rogue. Rogue. Yeah, you done. You done well, mate. You done well. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, number two, Fatal Attraction. Number three, Beverly Hills Cop Part Deux. Um, Number four, Good Morning Vietnam. 
Number five, Moonstruck. I'm not even certain what that is. The Untouchables are number six. Number seven, The Secret of My Success. Number eight, Stakeout. Um, number nine, Lethal Weapon. Number ten, The Witches of Eastwick. And do you know what came in at number 41? Uh, yeah, well, I guess it's this movie because that's, yeah. that's the way this plays out. Princess Bride. Okay, what about growing up though? Was this was this a big one for you? No, the Princess Bride. Okay, that's interesting because I'm similar. Elaborate, Zero. elaborate. Okay, there's nothing. So when did you come across it? So I'm I may have watched it when I was a kid, and there's a chance at some birthday party or right. some event I watched it, but I have zero recollection of watching it. Okay, so this, but but even up until rewatching it now. So the first time I remember watching it was our good mutual friend Hugo. I remember him talking about uh, it when we started when we first worked together. Did we watch it together? Maybe, because that's my story. Is it? <laughs> yeah. No way. I had never heard of it. Oh, it uh, so just that this is not. In doing this podcast, we didn't just choose this movie having not heard of it. We've heard of it now. But growing up as a kid, this was a distant existence to me. I had no I'm idea what it was. Yeah, same. And Hugo at work was like, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. I'm like, Princess? That doesn't sound like a movie I would know. It's prin- I think we were like probably the in the same Diaries. conversation. And I was living with Hugo then. <clears throat> and we may have all watched it at our house because – I never went to that house. Oh, okay. Then we didn't watch it together. But you must have I gone home think. and watched it at some point. He had it on DVD and I watched it at that house. He might have lent it to me. And actually, who did I lend Predator to? Did I lend it to you or him? <laughs> Not me. Did I get it back? <laughs> what are you going to play it on? Sony PlayStation. I don't know. Does it play DVD? I believe, yeah. Okay. It's a disc. <laughs> That's not how technology works. Or is it? <laughs> You're transitioning into an old man so seamlessly. It's great. <laughs> it's a disc. The cloud. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I didn't watch it until my twenties, early twenties. Same. In saying that, I do have a lot of fondness for this movie since then, but I don't have the nostalgia goggles that perhaps I would yes. have as a child. And I was expecting you to have that. I thought this would be contrast, but it's interesting. We, uh... Yet again, it proves we had the same childhood. Why did this not? Why did Sue and um, Jim? Why did Sue and Jim decide this didn't belong in the Carney household? And why did my parents um, follow suit? Fascinating. It's weird, isn't it? I don't get it because I got nothing. I would have watched it if I. I just literally didn't know yeah. it existed. Big time. I mean, I guess Bloodsport is our Princess Bride. I guess. I guess. Frank Dukes is our Wesley. <laughs> yeah. Jackson is our Fezzik. Yeah. We digress. We digress. So that's a very interesting background for both of us. Yeah. So I, I think I watched it about twelve to fifteen years ago. Yeah. Which is crazy. And I say this without, I don't want to diminish the significance of this film. For many friends of the show and many friends of uh, us in general, I know this movie is a big deal. We somehow missed it, enjoyed it as a 20-something, and we rewatched it today, and that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, should I get into the, the origin story? Do it. Origin story. So this is very interesting. I was unaware of this. 
I don't know if you knew much about the background of this, but it was based on a book, which sounds fair enough. Uh-huh. But the book upon which it was based is equally, if not more, fascinating than the film itself. Ah, the old book is better than the movie routine. Oh, uh, well, I don't know if it's better, but the whole thing is very meta. Don't, don't undermine me. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't want to be that guy. Don't undermine me. It'll fucking again. You really sandbagged me back there. <laughs> Okay, so it's based on a book by William Goldman who... It may or may not be better than the movie. <laughs> may or may not be better than the movie. Um, William Goldman did write the screenplay for the movie also for those keen observers out there. Um, but he wrote that book in 1973. William Goldman is also an, uh, a screenwriter. Also an author. And an author. Wow. And a, and a playwright. And a writer. Um, he wrote Butch Cassidy and so the he's Sundance He's a writer. Kid. He writes different things. Across formats. Multimedia. Multimedia. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, he wrote that. All the President's Men, he wrote that. Marathon Man, the book and the movie, he wrote that. Um, I've never seen Marathon Man. Me neither. It's very famous. Dustin? Did it win some things? Probably. I'm walking here. It's not that one. I believe Um, it. I'm running here. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it was. And then, of course, this movie, he wrote the book and the screenplay for The Princess Bride. Um, he actually passed away just last year. What? Yeah. From death. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Living too long. Um, but he, he speaks of this movie and Butch Cassidy as his two proudest things. Well, actually, he says, not that I'm proud of, but the two things that I can look back at without humiliation, which is an interesting way to put it. He should be very proud. Great, great pictures. However, the book itself, the book itself is really cool and got this meta thing going on which is sort of similar to the movie how it's got that Fred Savage framing device. But if you bought this book, it would say this book is presented as an abridged version of a book by S. Morgenstern. Oh. But S. Morgenstern does not exist. Oh. Yeah. So the conceit of this book is that it's a story that Goldman's dad used to read to him as a kid and this is his retelling of that story. Ah. And within the text of the book, there's footnotes by Goldman that elaborate on different components and things. And That's say, nice. It's really cool, right? So there's the, I'll just read out this little blurb because it kind of explains it a lot better than I am. But it says, um, in Goldman's footnotes, air quotes, he describes how his father used to read S. Morgenstern's The Princess Bride aloud to him. Thus, the book became Goldman's favorite without him ever actually reading the text. As a father, Goldman looked forward to sharing this story with his own son, going to great lengths to locate a copy uh, for his son's birthday, only to be crushed when his son stops reading after the first chapter. When Goldman revisits the book himself, he discovers that what he believed was a straightforward adventure novel was in fact a bitter satire of politics in Morgenstein's native Florin, and that his father had been skipping all the political commentary and leaving out only the good parts. This moves Goldman to abridge the book to a version resembling the one his father had read to him while while adding notes to summarise material he had removed. But all of that's bullshit. That's not true. Florence is not a place. Like it's it's all this weird elaborate thing that he's constructed around the book that's, and it's all written in the footnotes of the book. Like it's so yeah. weird. And so there's footnotes and commentary throughout the book like this. So there's the main text and then there's these footnotes. So weird. Really cool. And I guess maybe that's that why cool. in, in the movie they have like the Fred Savage part and the guy reading and, you know, Columbo in there. Um, that's the that's the the packaged 
origin story of the book, but the, the reality of the story of the book is um, that this guy, <laughs> he had two daughters that wanted bedtime stories. Uh-huh. One wanted one about a bride, one wanted one about a princess. The bride princess. Exactly. A princess bride. Police. Cops. Police cops. So that old chestnut. It's actually kind of interesting. I haven't experienced this yet, not having children myself, but the idea of just improving. You want a kid? Uh, okay, you want a kid? Okay, I'll get you a kid by 3 o'clock this afternoon. Something about the process of improving a story like that, which I guess is eventually became this movie, is kind of cool. The value of improv exercises like that is kind of interesting. Like, do you ever improv yes. bedtime stories? Yes, and have you ever? Bruce yeah, doesn't like it. Yes, and he's so like, I'm just second rate citizen at bedtime. So, right, he does hand me Little Pigs, his new book, mm. which is otherwise known as the Three Little Pigs. Yeah, uh, is that a modern gritty? I feel like I should get more. I like to put the voices on. Yeah, I get, he'll appreciate it soon. I get pretty hard on the voices. Yeah. And, he still prefers his grandma to do it, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, also in 1973, 20th Century Fox pays Goldman 500 grand, half a million dollars for the rights to this book and for him to write a screenplay around it. Is that a lot? It's a lot. I think if you adjust for inflation, that's like $3 million today or whatever. Nice. And for scripts, like for that, – that, that's a big deal. Um, they had Richard Lester on to direct – and I didn't know who he was, but apparently he did all like the Beatles movies and shit, and he's done he's done a few bits and pieces. But that apparently that was a big deal at the time. But there was some kind of shake up at at Fox, and the whole thing thing fell through, went into hiatus, and Goldman actually bought the rights back with his own money. So he was like holding it close to his bosom, to his bosom, yeah. Enter Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner, uh, friend of the show, hot off the heels of this, a spinal tap and stand by me. Big fan of the book, gets the book from his father um, and, and fell in love with it immediately. And the way he got it to happen after it fell through so many times before, because it had fallen through. So Robert Redford tried to make it. There, was years. A, there were a few others that tried to make it well, and failures. it never happened. Well, failures. 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 It always fell down. Never happened. Oh, man. Why are we doing Arnie voices? There is an Arnie reference coming, but we'll save it. Um, Reiner actually makes it happen because he gets financial backing. Money talks, eh? Money talks. From Mr. Norman Lear. So Norman Lear also helped out with Spinal Tap, but primarily he is the god of 1970s sitcoms. So he was uh, behind All in the Family, Sanford and Son, One Day Day at a Time, The Jeffersons, Good Times, yada, yada, yada. None of them mean anything to me. The Jeffersons? Different strokes? (laughs) Is that in the 70s one? 80s, I think. Okay, no. Nah, all in on. the family? That's what Rob, Rob Reiner was in All in the Family. Yeah, great. That's awesome. I, but you st- I still don't know it. You don't know it? Ah. Other actors were in it too. Still don't know it. <laughs> well, I thought you, your eyes lit up when I said Rob Reiner, so I thought maybe yeah, you had. Because he made Spinal Tap. Yeah, he did make Spinal Tap. Boy, did he make Spinal Tap. Come on, come on. Keep it in the 80s, bro. No, we're, we're, the, we're nearly in the 80s. All right, anyway. Man, they, you were negative five in the 70s. <laughs> Okay, so it gets bankrolled. The movie's actually happening. We get to casting. Mr. Carrie Elwes. Is that how you say his name? Elwes? I was, was going to ask you, are you clear on pronunciation there? I watched something today and they pronounced it, and I think it was Elwes, but I can't, remember, I can't be confident now. Elwes. Yeah. We're calling him Elwes now. It sounds like I can't say Elvis, though. Carrie, whom 
Um, Ryan saw in a film called Lady Jane. He was like, yep, that's my guy. And fair enough, he's got the face uh, and he's got the wit. How he's would you describe quips. his face? Like a teacup. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a teacup. I don't know, just very British and proper. Yeah. But he does also work for the action-y parts too. Like he's not like a Hugh Grant where it's like a very English thing that can't do anything else. It can't. Yeah. Although have you seen um, Hugh Grant is in the new, um, what's his name movie? Marvel. No, Guy Ritchie movie. But he's going back to his lock stock style. And and Hugh Grant's in the opening like, all right, you want to fucking blah, blah, blah. So really? He, yeah, Hugh Grant's doing like he's – A tough guy. Yeah, like – A but geezer. Like a geezer that's like a tough guy but looks kind of – yeah. Wiry. Yeah. Interesting, right? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm up for I'm it. I'm up for it. I'm yeah, totally I'll, I'll watch it. it. I'll probably watch it and go, it was okay, but that's all I really want. Um, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Anyway, he's in early. That was the easy one. Check the box. Hugh Grant. No, Carrie. Oh, yeah. Um, did say that. Sorry. Buttercup, on the other hand, mm-hmm. lots of actresses in going for this one. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it was a long and winding road to get to Robin Wright, Jenny. There were a few along the way. Did you read any of these ones? I did. Uh, Oprah. <laughs> no, Rupert Goldberg was lobbying for it, oh, apparently. Was she? Yeah. Well, this that was on like a IMDb trivia thing, which I don't always believe. Who else? Courtney Cox. <clears throat> Meg Ryan. Uma Thurman. It said Uma Thurman was too exotic looking. <clears throat> yeah, they're Who else? all. Oprah. <laughs> Whoopi. Greg's got his toe on the butt. Grant. <laughs> All right. All right. <sighs> anyway, they audition all these women and they finally find the buttercup. I played a little clip that sums up that story better than I am. Then I had to find somebody to work with him and it was described as the most beautiful girl in all the land. I mean, it's buttercup. And we read so many women. At that time, I was on a soap opera. So I was doing everything in my power to get out. She was on Santa Barbara, the soap opera Santa Barbara. I said, okay, let's take a look at her. And she came in and she just blew us away. You mocked me once, never do it again. It was fate. I was one of the last girls of 500 or something to come in and read. If you tell me I must marry you in 10 days, please believe I will be dead by morning. She looked gorgeous. And she spoke with this English accent, and she was the person. We got lucky there. I mean, so I think the perfect casting. Uh, controversial? Yeah. What? Meh. I, I see where you're going with that. Now, not to reduce her role in this movie to one of pure aesthetic, but we should just say how handsome Carrie was, looking like a teacup and all. I, I see where you're coming from. I, but when we did Forrest Gump... Rewatching that, I was like, wow, she's like way prettier than I remembered. And she looks so different now too. I'm sure we'll get, we'll she, get into that later. But she, she does. She's a handsome woman. She's evolved. And maybe it's just now that we're used to the this modern version of her that this is going back to like going back to PS1 graphics, you know? Yeah. You're taking a step back there. Anyway, so she's in. Next. Now, one we can all agree on, the beautiful Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> As yes, a, um, he's aged quite significantly. 
Mandy as a as a male name. Is it's that, interesting, isn't it? What's that an abbreviation of? Yeah, good point. I don't know. I'm familiar, obviously, with the Mandy abbreviation of Amanda. Yeah, maybe it's short for uh, Amanda. <laughs> Amanda Armando. I'm I'm unclear. I'm interested. If you do know friends of the show, or, or you are a male Mandy, or you're Mandy Patinkin, or you are Mandy Patinkin. I don't it reckon happened. he's jamming with us. That that's cool. Anyway, Sean Wallace is in there, inconceivable, with his annoying voice, but appropriately cast. Billy Crystal's in there, which I forgot about entirely. Fred Savage, of course, and Columbo himself, Peter Falk. Christopher Guest is also in there as Count Tyrone, which slipped by me upon viewing and then looking him up. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, Christopher Guest, as in, you know, frequent collaborator of Rob Reiner. He's Nigel Tufnell. Yeah, it goes all the way up to 11. Can I hit you with a very interesting piece of trivia on this one? So Christopher Guest plays Count Tyrone in this movie. Christopher Guest plays what's his name in in um Nigel Spinal Tuff- Tap. Yeah. Nigel Tufnell. And there's that famous scene where he's showing the amps and you know what you know, you all go up to ten and then when you want to give a bit more you go up to eleven. eleven. The numbers all go to eleven. Look. Right across the board, oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Yeah, these ones go up to 11. In this movie, his fingers go up to 11. Oh, the six-fingered uh, man. But these go up to 11. Did you, is that just your handiwork? No, I found it on the oh, internet. I wish I could claim it. It's pretty good, isn't it? I, that must be in, intentional. Do you reckon that's intentional or coincidence? I don't know. I mean, I would say coincidence. But it's Rob Briner and him. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty like, it's not a direct link. Yeah, anyway, yeah. it's interesting know. at get, the very Get him least. on the phone. Get him on the phone. He's quite a, uh, he's quite apparently quite a sour man. I could imagine that. I could he totally said, see that. He's married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Came across that re- in doing this research. Yeah. Oh, oh interesting. Um, apparently he's quite a demure character. He's like, yeah, people expect me to be hilarious and upbeat when they meet me, but. Comedians I, are often like that. Conan am, says that all the time. I am not. Yeah. I reckon Conan would be more upbeat than Christopher Gaston. Oh, that's what you think, though. I think he's he's like, yeah, but maybe more than him. I left one big one out. Andre the Giant as Fezzes. Fezzes? How do you say his name? Fezzes. It was written with him in mind, apparently. But they had to call up the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, to get him. And this is this is somewhat reminiscent of Back to the Future where they were calling up family ties to try and get him. Because the same thing happened. They couldn't get him. He was scheduled to be fighting in Tokyo and getting $5 million or some shit. Yeah, he's get, apparently got paid heaps. Yeah. So the backup plan was to get Arnie, who, if you've seen a side-by-side photo, is no giant next to Andre. We'll put that on his too. That's a pretty classic photo with Wilt Chamberlain, I think. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear the story? But then he got too famous. Those three were at dinner having a meal. And uh, the story goes that Arnie tells this story, we have a lovely dinner and we're having a, a good time and uh, I sneak away to, to pay for the meal, you know. And um, apparent, apparently he, I was standing there ready to with my with my Amex to pay the bill, and I'm I'm lifted off the ground. <laughs> and I, suddenly, I'm lifted, and uh, you know it was Andre the Giant. Basically, he was very gen. Andre the Giant was super generous, apparently. Yeah. And he walked. He he saw Arnie going to pay, 
and he walked over and like just picked up Arnie. <laughs> Arnie would have weighed what two fifty? Yeah, pounds. Yeah, for our thirty five percent of America, <laughs> and just like lifted him to the side to pay the bill. Fuck. And we've got a bunch more of those, and we'll pepper them throughout the, the oh, show. Yeah, there's perhaps. Some, some little Andre the Giant stories, but yeah, so they were trying to get Arnie. I mean, they were getting Arnie. But then over this period, he became too famous and got too expensive. This is this is one of those stories I'm not sure. I think elements of this are true, but let's see how we go. Anyway, so that fell through. Then they're like, okay, fuck, we need, we need Andre. Call WWF again. They got him this time because the Tokyo tournament had fallen through. So he's in. But they did also consider Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Lou Ferrino and some others. But, you know, it is what it is. Then they made the movie. They made the picture. Uh huh. Should we play the trailer? Yes, please. Grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? He'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. Hey, how is the sickie? Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? 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 I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Won't that be nice? A courtly age. Of gentle conversation. I won't always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. Oh, no. Is this a kissing book? No. Actually, there was a lot of treachery, peril, and revenge. Prepare to die. Never go in against the Sicilian when death is on the line! <laughs> it's a story of love, a tale of adventure. It's as real as the feelings you feel. I'm kissing again. Someday you may not mind so much. The Princess Bride. Not just your basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. Interesting trailer. Not the most compelling trailer I've seen in my lifetime. <laughs> it was just a series of bits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those at home who haven't watched it in a while and couldn't really get much out of that trailer, what, what, what's this movie about, Greg? It's a it's a simple story, a story of love, a story of hate, a story of bravery, a story of cowardice, mm. a story of royal matrimony, a story of regicide, of honour, revenge, fear, a story that ultimately reminds us never to judge a book by its cover where a giant and a swordman mercenary turn out to be the heroes and the fabled prince turns out to be a murderous villain. Ooh. A story where love triumphs. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's finished. <laughs> Sorry, good guy. Story where, a story where love triumphs. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Would you uh, agree? I would agree. I would agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed watching this uh, quite a bit. I actually watched it with um, we had family in town, so I watched this with my wife and my sister-in-law, who proclaimed it was her favorite movie. So that was good watching together. 
It's just a very good, clean movie. It's just a, something for everyone. It's. I think yeah. there's a few elements. It jumps a bit all over the place in terms of like what Style. what level of comedy it is. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, but then the the framing up of the story and now even like reading the origin of the story, the fact that it's kind of being told from a father or grandfather to a son, it's kind of like it kind of is a bit of a free pass in allowing some weirdness to get in there. Yeah. Because it's it, like that could be the narrator. Is that just, the narration? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, apparently it was quite hard to market. Yeah, well, it didn't do well at the cinema, right? It didn't do great. Yeah. Um, and the marketing side of it was quite tough. Like, what are you pitching it as? It's not a fairy tale, right? Because it's also a quirky comedy. Yeah, it's interesting. Because speaking of, it marketing, was many things. It was many things, and there, there was something in it for everyone. Like, I did enjoy it. But I, I'm not surprised I'd never heard of it. I just don't think I would have been on my radar a movie with the word princess and bride in it. It's interesting the Disney guys these days never put those words in movie titles anymore. So the last one they did was The Princess and the Frog, which mm. apparently is a really good movie, but the word princess just didn't get any boys interested. So that's why now it's Tangled, Frozen, yada, yada, oh, yada. Brucey loves Frozen. Frozen's pretty good. Not bad. He likes to be Princess Elsa. Interesting. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, what we'll say was it's ultimately a comedy, but then it's like living at different altitudes of comedy a little bit. Like sometimes it's a full-on just slapsticky thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's quite cerebral. Other times it's just very broad, like Yeah. It's got it's got elements of Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put and it. And then it's got Billy Crystal, who would never be in a Yeah. Oh, and then it's got like some Mel Brooksianness to it because, oh, totally. Like, honestly, I realized in watching it that I did unconsciously have some Men in Tights blended in there because that's also got Carrie as well playing Robin Hood. But uh-huh. both me and my sister-in-law at the same point where the prince comes out when they introduce the who's going to who's going to marry, we were expecting the king with the mole that moves around. We were both like, <laughs> "Oh, the guy with the mole." We like, yeah. I wrote it in my notes, and she said, "Oh, the." Guy with the ball. I, I just literally wrote that down. Yeah, I've got my wires crossed. That's not this movie. Uh-huh. And on paper, it sounds like, of course, it's not that movie. But there was just little things like that. I think that jumped in and out. Where I was like, ah, oh, I know. Oh, and I was also thinking as I was watching it that it's a little bit like a Shrek before we had Shrek, like a self-aware yes. fairy tale. Yes, right down to. I mean, Carol called out. Humperdinck as she goes, oh, so oh, I guess Farquaad. she's like, oh, I guess that's Farquaad. Yeah. I'm like, geez, it is. It yeah. definitely is. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I would say this will stand the test of time better than Shrek because Shrek was very, all of its references and things were very of the time, like very 2000. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because it's, I'm like pretty, what? well, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't have like, you know, characters rapping like and smash mouth and like yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> yeah you said it man <laughs> like that kind of shit i'm not saying it's not gonna you're not gonna enjoy it watching it later but the way this movie is done it's pretty timeless like it's not even in a real time they're talking about yeah. australia being filled with convicts yeah like so when is this yeah <laughs> is this just people getting dressed up in the wasn't 1800s that a, wasn't that a fantastic line <laughs> yeah yeah like why was that in there yeah because iocane comes from australia as everyone knows and Australia is entirely peopled with criminals. And criminals are used to having people not trust them as you are not trusted by me, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. Can we, did you and find it must be deliberate. 
Well, I've only found people saying similar things of like, well, when was this? And Or is that just a, trying to symbolise that this is not any real time anywhere and it's just everywhere and nowhere kind or of was thing. it ad-libbed? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't get anything on that. It's weird, isn't it? Because it could have been. It felt like it could have been ad-libbed the way he was going. Well, how, how was the rewatch for you? That was a delight. It was a treat. It was. It was a great little package. It was. It's so, like I don't, it's a short running time, isn't it? It's, I think it's sub one four. Well, that's the thing too. I feel like there's always something going on. Like you there's don't always get bored. something going on. You don't get bored. There's these just nice little scenes. Although in saying that, I don't think I could actually tell you the prop, the full plot of the movie. I don't know if I totally. I just kind of watch it as a series of vignettes of stuff it happening. Did. That's yeah, good point. I'm actually not sure. Like, why is he dressed as Zorro? And like, I don't. I couldn't tell you. But I still enjoyed it, but I just I mean like it. I just kind of watched I it as a been, collection of things. I was the same. Just, was, yeah. I was like, oh, I like this scene. I'm writing that down. Oh, I like that scene too. Yeah. I'm write that down. I and, then it gets kind of, and then it gets kind of serious when yeah. Inigo finds the guy, that Christopher Guest, and then starts, yeah. starts poking him. Go up to 11. Um, <laughs> Australia is t- entirely made up of criminals. <laughs> You sound like um, the guy from Encino Man, the main guy. Sean Austin. Yeah. Did I? I, I thought know. I sounded heaps like Fiz- Fiz- Yeah, you were pretty good, but it just had a vibe of that. Like in, uh, in, in 50 First Dates. Because you now he says the lisp. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. I was like, why did I see him? Um, good casting though too. Carrie has the face. The face of a teacup. The chemistry is there. The face of a teacup. They've got the oh, chemistry. Oh, the chemistry. I reckon I I can't recall I think seeing. They wanted to bang. I can't recall seeing such a high, hard eye fucking. Yeah, as Kerry gave Buttercup. Right. Well, he says he was like mesmerized. His eyes bent her over that hay bale. Yeah, he said he was like really yeah into oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they? And I think she says it about him too. They must have hooked up. I think they, they must hooked have. up. I don't, I, I, Hollywood baby. <laughs> Hollywood. It's Hollywood. <laughs> you don't go there not to have the relations. <laughs> you make a good point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe they even um, officially dated. it. Who knows? But great chemistry. Um, Did he write about it in his book, as you wish? Oh, maybe. Oh, hey, the sword fight, though. Yeah, they learnt. Yeah, well, they really did it, left-handed and right-handed and all that junk. I mean, there's a little bit of old-timey sword fighting where they're just clanging swords, but not too much of it. Like, a lot of it is pretty pretty oh, good. I thought it was pretty good. There's yeah. one in the back. I mean, the old the old urban legend around this one is that they got so good at it the, that they went through the original choreography in one minute and an old Rob was like, we need more, that's too fast, and so they had to make more choreography. So that everything you saw they did except for the flippity-flip off, yeah. the, off the thing. Which is pretty, yeah, that's respect, man. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Good good points for training. And just I think for me, the first time I watched it and also in the rewatch, like how respectful they were being to each other and like all the banter and stuff was like, oh, what an odd movie in a delightful way. Mm. You know, it, was just it like, is odd. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's cool. The cast is odd. Uh, yeah, it's all just. Slightly off key. Yeah, but in a good way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Carrie Elwes is interesting. Well, especially because, yeah, okay, you're probably going to say where I'm going. Like, especially because a lot of people in this, it's not like they're in a million things since. Mm. But Carrie is an example. Like, he's got that face and he's not in a ton. He's in Liar Liar. So that's the thing. When I looked it up, 
he's in heaps of things, the claw. And then he's the soul guy. He's the soul guy. He's he's in um he's in he's in heaps of stuff and you're like, oh yeah, I guess he is in that. But and he's bit, like an earl or something. He's got some like Is he actually? Because some interesting lineage. But he's never he hasn't been a leading man in anything. Saw is probably the closest, maybe. Yeah, and he's fully classically trained in the best drama schools and Yeah, like why isn't he more of a thing? Yeah. What about old mate Andre? We face each other as God intended. Sportsman life. No tricks, no weapons. Skill again, skill along. Well, mate, I would say there's a lot to be saying. <laughs> yeah. About Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. Andre Ruzimov. Ah. So Andre the Giant, obviously a legend of WWE. F, WWF. Or F in those days, I think. Yeah, I thought I'd get confused which was first. Um, so he's a super interesting dude. Yeah. Um, Apparently a very nice man, just an yeah, angel. Yeah, yeah. So I did a little bit of digging on him. I knew him as a big scary wrestler. His physical dimensions were bizarrely huge. Yeah. Seven foot four. Right. But that's like bigger than, that's taller than Shaq. And it's crazy because when you do see people that tall, their proportions make it obvious how tall they are. Like they look long and narrow, right? Yeah. Whereas he's so in proportion that when he's not standing next to anyone in these scenes, he just looks like a normal, normalish, normalish, and then you see his hand on someone's head, and you're like, "Oh fuck, this and guy's huge!" Yeah, and you yeah. used to it being camera tricks, but it's le- yeah. he was legitimately he's, he weighed five hundred something pounds. Yeah, like fuck. that's what two hundred. Well, he was like, what do they say? Two. He was six foot something by the time he was like eight or something crazy. I can look at that. Yeah, he right. had that. Um, There's something crazy like that. He had like an active pituitary gland or whatever, so he was always gigantic. There's a thing, acromegaly. So yeah, his growth hormone kept going or something. Yeah, it just it they don't stop, but it's you know it's actually not that good because you get yeah like so your jaw, hands, feet, certain parts of your body keep growing. And he had huge back problems while shooting this, right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, his body was cooked, which is like, crazy because then he definitely wouldn't have been wrestling in Japan. Uh, he but, was though. Yeah, right. He just kept doing it, but he had to wear like a brace and all these things just to do the. Yeah, he couldn't carry. Yeah. He, I think I saw an interview with um, Buttercup and she was saying he couldn't carry me. I was a scene where I sort of fell into his arms and he couldn't do it and she goes, I weigh yeah. like 100 pounds. So yeah. It's like 50 kilos, yeah. 45 kilos or something. Ah. Yeah. So the poor guy was banged up and he his, some of his more famous stories are his booze, booze stories. The guy could drink. So I've heard some of these but I don't know the details. Indulge me. So he was a notoriously big drinker. So he's got some legendary drinking tales. So there was one that's famous where he drunk 119 beers, 119 of them. That's insane. In six six hours. Fuck. But he but he didn't like beer that much. His favorite drink apparently was called he called it the American or something, and it was a 40 ounce. Thing which is kind of like what's a forty ounce, like a liter and a half or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, and it was just mixed liquor, just mixed, mixed liquor, just straight liquor, forty uh, ounces of it, and you'd put a few of those away. Not malt liquor, not not like a forty. Yeah, it's like actually, so forty ounces is one, one point one liter, uh, one nearly one point two liter. Wow, and you put away a few of those. 
So the man could drink, but he apparently was quite sad. Quite a sad story. So that pain we mentioned before, liquor was kind of like his pain relief because right. he was in yeah, constant yeah. pain from all the wrestling and he's being too big to carry his own weight. Yeah. Ah, oh, poor guy. And so he – and doctors could never really medicate him properly because they had no idea how how much to medicate a yeah. man that weighed nearly 600 pounds. Yeah. So he was like, well, I'll just drink. But, he, yeah, but he's obviously a massive legend and it was – it was a bit sad. Actually, I got a clip of him on Letterman. It's pretty funny. But I also, uh, yeah. Uh, now, what what is the reaction of uh, the average person when they see you, like when you go into a bar or something? People really get out. They they all clear out. Uh, do you do you find that people are are uh, uh, frightened by you, or, or do they want to pick a fight with you? Do you ever run into that? No, no, no. Yeah. What what do they say when they see a man your size, or when they see you? <laughs> they couldn't believe it. They just look at me. You know? Yeah. Uh, what about traveling? Now, you uh, hotel beds are, are they a problem? No. You gotta get... I tried to find a hotel where they got a king size bed. Yeah. The worst is when I go in Japan. All those cars are so small. Sure. Even in a hotel, I can't go through the door. I can't go to the bathroom. Everything. So but but uh, the nature of your job, you're traveling all the time, aren't you? Like 300, 320 nights a year. Yes. Yeah. Now, what about plane travel? Does that get old after a while? Awful? I go in first class, but I don't believe mine was it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about airplane food? Is there any way for you to get filled up on a flight? Oh, yeah. Yeah? It was really nice. It give me two or three plates. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of food, you own a restaurant. Is it Montreal? Yes. Now, what kind a of a French re- restaurant? French restaurant and um, expensive place? No, just a nice place, a good food. Yeah, and uh, do you ever work there? But do you ever go in no. and, and greet the customers as they're coming in? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much time do we have here? Okay, we gotta we gotta go away for a commercial. But you can. Do you mind okay. sticking around, Andre? No, I don't. Okay, mind. great. If you stay right here. But yeah, yeah that the line point of, is that line of questioning. Yeah, it was quite uncomfortable, wasn't it? It's like yeah, so uh, a bit of a freak, huh? Yeah, like it felt like that. It really and did. And I love Letterman. I, I wouldn't expect him to. I was really disappointed. This must have been really over Letterman though too. Not that that's it an looked, excuse, but it it's just r- like. There was nothing really? but, hey, so you're big. People so must it, be scared of you, huh? Yeah, they they look at you and say, hey, you're a freak. Yeah. Like, it's like that scene in South Park. Do they call you old uh, chin balls? <laughs> but it, yeah, balls on chin boy. Yeah. But it's it's kind of, it was interesting, right? Like it was a bit of a, um, a reminder that doesn't matter if you're the fat guy or the giant guy yeah. or the too skinny guy or anything that looks kind of different to the norm. Yeah. So his life, he, he talked about this quite a bit and he was saying, you know, like in the world you kind of cater for the little people a little bit. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's no one caters for people Man, big. Man, I, I am like – Above average tall, not crazy tall, and I find that. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Sometimes you'll be in a hotel shower, the shower head's like really low, or like sometimes the mirror, you can't see your face. Like, imagine if you were actually a foot, a foot yeah, a foot taller than that. Yeah. Imagine if you actually were huge. That guy's a giant. He's a giant. Man. Like, he would not be able to. Yeah. yeah, fuck. Well, he died from being a giant. Like, and also, like, but he's, he's doing shit, and all that Letterman is asking him about is. Like, hey, yeah, so uh, people scared of you when they look at you? Yeah, do people, yeah, it's, you yeah. oh, you got a restaurant, do you actually work there? Like, fuck yeah. off, mate. Yeah. You're a recluse. David. 
Yeah, so that was disappointing. Um, and, you know, you uh, amplify that with uh, the interviews. So they've done, obviously, this movie's quite old now, 87, uh, 87 so it's, it's had its over 30th anniversary. Yeah. And um, when the cast talk back on on the making of the movie, they're all, like, legitimately still very sad when they talk about Yeah, uh, there's a lot of that, isn't there? You know, everybody rallied around him. We just loved him. I mean, he was so smart and so gentle and sweet. He was just a giant of a human being in every imaginable way, but particularly in the way of his heart. I remember he used to put his hand on my head and we, when we'd be outside and it was freezing cold where we were, and it would come down to here. His fingers would come here and it would cover the back of my neck. His hand was so big and it would keep me warm. <laughs> But they, yeah, they all just speak to what a lovely man he was and how special he was. So, kind of like a tragic story, really. He died. I think he was must have only been about fifty when he died, if not younger. Right. Um, and he was a pretty simple man, like had a farm and kind of laid out of the spotlight. Oh, so cool. And you just assume someone that big and with a bit of a persona in the WWF is a bit evil, but he was just a lovely man. Apparently. Yeah, he sounds so sweet. The yeah. um, there was. There's this story, right, that got turned into a movie, but apparently when he was 12 as a school kid in France, he was too big to fit on the school bus. And so the only person in the town that had a convertible drove him to school every day, and that person was Samuel Beckett, who I don't know a lot about. Do you know who that is? The writer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Samuel Beckett, uh, the writer, and there's a movie. Uh, what's it called now? It's, there's a movie about that now. What? And someone – Plays Andre the Giant and um, what's it called? Waiting for Andre. It's called Waiting for Andre. Uh, yes. But yeah, it's a movie. And apparently there's an HBO documentary on him that's supposed to be really good. Haven't seen it. On, on, on Andre. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it. I didn't. But I, yeah, I, so I didn't know a lot about him before reading into any. I've always heard about him, like around him, but I hadn't gone deep on yeah. it at all. There was a nice little quote I saw when we did a quick watch there. Oh, uh, like, yeah. It kind of made me sad. It was like, he says, you'll be careful. People are nasty and can't be trusted. Yeah. I was kind of like, he probably did have a pretty bad experience with the human race in many. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Sam Beckett's of the world, but. Yeah. Beyond that, there's probably the Letterman's and thousands of others. Also, his face is plastered all over town. Yeah, of course. He's, he's, the, he's the Obey giant. He's Obey, yeah. So I didn't I didn't know that right away. But friend you, of the show, Friend Shepherd of the show, Ferry. Shepard Ferry. Yeah, when you see the evolution of that. The obey giant imagery. The original one was a lot more of a sort of literal, literal, literal version of his face. And now it's the more oversimplified um, yeah. thing. But yeah, that's that's him. That's pretty cool. Very cool. Um, well, there is another actor in this that I'm a huge fan of, and he's coming back in the spotlight recently. Fred Savage. Big fan. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan of Fred Savage, man. And I didn't realise this was before the Wonder Years. It was pre-Wonder Years, I yeah. thought I thought this was, might have been mid-Wonder Years because I thought he was younger than this in when Wonder Years started. But how fucking good was the Wonder Years? I was reminiscing on this show. What you do, sing out of tune. you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Oh, baby. It's a great fucking, and I, <laughs> I don't think I, I think I thought the show was actually from the sixties, like when I was a kid. 
I didn't know it was like <laughs> I was confused. Yeah. And the, I remember remember there was like the old urban legend that the Paul character was Marilyn Man grew up to be Marilyn Manson. Did you ever hear that one? It His was friend. It? No, it's not him. Is that just a made up yeah, thing? Yeah, it's a made up thing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a thing. Right? Because it didn't really matter if it was. It was like just a, Yeah, okay. yeah. It just seems like odd all enough right. to be true. All right, all right. Yeah, because it's no there's no skin in the game. Like this like no. doesn't matter oh. to anyone. Good on him. Yeah. I bet he fucking wishes he was. Yeah. Yeah, right. Winnie. Oh, Winnie. Ah, Winnie. But her name's Winnie Cooper, right? Did you see Winnie in like Ralph magazine about 10 years uh, ago? Oh, yeah. And she's like a, a math genius. Apparently. Yeah, math genius in bikini. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know who did the voiceover in, in Wonder Years? I do. You know, it's what, yeah. I've forgotten though. It's Daniel Stern who is um, Home Alone, City Slickers, Marv, Home Alone. He's unexpected because oh. he's so toned down in this. But he's talking about it. Oh no! Like, why did I think what? Yeah, because usually he's yelling and he's got a you know a nail in his foot or something, or hit with a paint can. But in this, he's just talking. <laughs> oh, man, man, it's pretty old. It's a good. I, that's one I definitely want to rewatch and revisit. I, I really loved that show as a kid. I loved it, and I, and I, Fred Savage is fucking cool. It. I found it uncomfortable. Really, I fucking loved it. I found it uncomfortable. It, yeah, there were bits of uncomfortableness. Like the, every the stuff family, with his dad every, and stuff. Yeah, the dad. I found the dad really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I felt a little bit like, yeah, I think I maybe related to that a little bit. But the, Maybe that's why I found that uncomfortable. Yeah, but yeah, I think I thought it was this was legitimately a show from the 60s and I was learning about the 60s. But um, oh yeah, Fred Savage, he actually went on to, he directed a lot of TV shows and now he's showing up in more TV shows himself and um more recently, he appeared in an alternate version of the Deadpool movie, that the PG version. Have you heard about this? No. Sounds shit. Oh, well, just you hold your horses. Okay. I mean, the movie's shit, but... Wakey-wakey, Frosted Flaky. Hey, brought you a special present. Come on. Story time, chicken nugget. Rise and shine, here we go. Clear eyes, full hearts, you can't lose. Welcome back. What's going on? Wait a minute. Where am I? You dressed me. I did. I'm a big fan of bears. I'm not wearing pants. When's the last time you saw a bear wearing pants? What, what the f- Easy now, hey. The only F-bomb we're using around here is Fred Savage. Now, I want you to take a deep breath and listen to me very carefully, Frederick. You're in a PG-13 version of Deadpool 2, which means we only get two one and a glass of white wine. Did you reconstruct... The bedroom set from the Princess Bride? Inconceivable! Oh, God. Yeah, I always wanted to say that. Not a bad little joke there, but... Not bad. But um, Deadpool 2 and then make it a PG version just for the cash. I think that's a bit shit, but that's not a bad joke. How long does that go for? Well, they, he then tells the story of Deadpool 2 and they show flashbacks like Princess Bride, but it's a PG version of the movie. They released it in cinemas, man. Like, that's a bit shit. 
You shouldn't have to pay for that. That should be an extra feature on a DVD kind of thing. It, it kind of insists upon itself. It does. And this is the problem with Deadpool 2 overall, man. I didn't see it. Yeah, don't see it. The first one was great. And I love like, the first one. Yeah. And I, I, I loved Deadpool as a kid. Yeah, so see, I was I genuinely didn't... excited. But now it's just become Ryan Reynolds, less Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds. And he just, he, he talks like this. Hey, Frosty Flakes, or whatever he fucking says. And he says things really deliberately. Yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, watch out for that Roas, Rats of Unusual Size. I thought that was funny. Uh, that was pretty funny, right? There was a few things like that in there. Oh, Quicksand. Remember what a big deal Quicksand was in movies? Quicksand was kids? huge. Yeah. I hadn't seen Quicksand in like 20, 30 years. <laughs> And then watching this, really I was went like, out yeah, of, quicksand. Really went out of vogue as a, yeah. uh, a pitfall. Is it even a real thing? Yeah. It is? In the Amazon. Is it? Yeah, you can't, you can't force your way out. Like, you can't rush out of it. Yeah. You've got to keep moving. He dives straight in. I, look, I've, I've looked up a lot of quicksand exit techniques because I just felt like. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like you need to know because what if. know, man. Yeah. So the trick is you've got to. You pull your. Uh, torso out with your face. <laughs> <laughs> that Simpsons. It's in the tar pit or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, you gotta you gotta move slowly, right? But quickly, dig up. But quickly. Hey, should we get into the verdict? Yeah, I've, I'm done. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. It's good. Oh, yeah, I did it's have good. Okay. Uh, sorry. We're going. Get, yes, we are going to the verdict. But before we do that, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We should. Um, we at this point we often cover recasties. Oh yeah, recasties. Well, in terms of recasties, that there, there has been talk of a reboot, right? And everyone's very angry about this. This is where I'm going with this. And I, I mean, I, let's just put it on the record that we are also against the reboot. Having said that, well, you, yeah, you kind of went through all the emotions there. So the recasties, I am not going to do. Oh, because I agree. But the context is there is a lot of hype over this being remade. Yeah. Um, so Variety had a Twitter post saying Sony Pictures Entertainment CEO uh, Tony Vinquera says that, air quotes, very famous people whose names I won't use want to redo The Princess Bride. So it's kind of – it's a target. They and should just do like a spin-off or like in the same universe do as – something different, yeah. Carrie Elwes – posted um, in response to that, there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a, sh- a pity to damage this one. Yeah. And I agree. Because you can do like kind of like how they're done with the Dark Crystal or like what is another one where it's like that same universe or spiritual successor but it's not a reboot or a direct sequel or I think that's the way to do it. I agree. A, um, a TV show set in fairytale land. Someone on this machine posted the recasties. Oh, wait, they said, what? I, they said, I'm, I'm just reading a Reddit, Reddit thread or something. Uh, I can see it now. Bradley Cooper as Wesley. Yeah. Margot Robbie as Buttercup. Uh, yeah. Dwayne Johnson as Fezzik. Javier Bardem as Inigo. 
yeah. Adam Sandler as Miracle Max, Drew Barrymore as Valerie, Gilbert Godfrey as Vinzini. <laughs> like, that's pretty good recasties. Inconceivable! <laughs> <laughs> Probably right. Almost. But just like, yeah, just let it be. Yeah. Let it be. Let it be. There's a lot of other stories to retell. Yeah. Um, and even in the MVP phase, yeah. I kind of just thought they all added something. I think I had to go with Mandy Patinkin. Really? Overall, yeah. He's your overall guy. Maybe also because I knew him first from Homeland and so it's quite a departure to see him in that and so it's like more like, whoa. Yeah. Well, if you had to pick one, who would you pick? Well, I was just like, then I was like, I can't pick anyone, so I'll just pick my favourite scene. And then, and then I was like, you know what, I can't pick that either. It's just a little package that's in a nice little tight bow. Yeah, that's true. And it's sometimes confusing, but it, <laughs> it entertains you the whole time and you just next minute it's over and you're like, that was nice. Yeah, agree. And I'll show Bruce in some time, hopefully not too soon, and hopefully he likes it. Yeah. But get around it. I think, yeah, you and I both had the same early experiences with this. So it would be lovely to hear – it would be lovely to hear from people that watched it as a kid and then rewatched it now and get your take. Yeah, and we have been hearing a lot from our friends of the show out there on the Instagram. A few yeah, DMs coming our way, which is it. nice. We keep forgetting so to shout out. Yeah, it's great to hear from you guys. We want to hear from you more, so don't hesitate. Get yeah, in touch. Please. Thank you, and a big shout out to the guys that are dropping us notes. Yeah, we appreciate if, it. If you got other views on the movies, if you got movies you want us to cover, let us know. We'll add it to the list. Yeah, or if you see what do you want to see us do a bit of a movie departure, departure, departure. cover of maybe a sitcom or something, we're up for it. Or space food sticks. Oh yeah, caramel. <laughs> Remember those caramel? I never got those, but I was tra- I would find a way to trade them with someone that did. I mean, yeah. My brother always had them. Yeah, they were. I think they were good. Maybe I yeah, thought the chocolate ones were them. a bit shit. Caramel ones were pretty good. I liked the chocolate. Yeah, you would. Yeah, that was just like good chocolate yeah, cardboard. I guess we're out. All right, we're done. Bop, bop, yeah. bop, bop.